It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. We are all in completely uncharted territory. What will the coming days and weeks reveal? Dr. Fauci recently stated that the U.S. might not see life get, quote, back to normal until 2022. That was a warning from Dr. Fauci. Certainly, Fauci seems to always know when there is more in store for us all. Are more versions of CD19 waiting in the wings to be let loose, or perhaps already swimming amongst us? Yes, it's Halloween, but now every day is a bit like Halloween, isn't it? For the record, the former paradigm is over. It's not coming back. CV-19 is a manifestation of the controllers, a response to what is unfolding on the wider horizon with blinding speed. The proverbial tidal wave that now looms above us all will very soon make all other challenges or concerns moot. The following headline was just published from the New York Times. Quote, as climate disasters pile up, a radical proposal gains traction. Here's an excerpt from the report which states, The idea of modifying Earth's atmosphere to cool the planet, once seen as too risky to seriously consider, is attracting new money and attention. The report further states, One way to cool Earth is by injecting aerosols, i.e. that's nanoparticulates of heavy metals and polymers, according to climate engineering patents. To inject aerosols, report states, into the upper layer of the atmosphere, where those particles reflect sunlight away from Earth. The Times report then states, quote, that process works. That's according to Dr. Douglas McMartin, a researcher in mechanical and aerospace engineering at Cornell University, whose team received funding. And those teams that receive funding, by the way, are on the power structure payroll, period. Consider that when you consider anything they say. McMartin said, we know with 100% certainty that we can cool the planet, end quote. From Dr. Douglas McMartin. He recently said this in an interview. Really, Mr. McMartin, stay tuned for a short audio clip of an on-air debate between Dr. McMartin and myself. Another headline. COVID-19 lockdowns are in lockstep with the, quote, Great Reset. The Great Reset. Let's consider that for a moment. So few yet understand the totality of what's already unfolding. And it's not the global power structures that will have the last word on this subject. It is nature. The Great Reset is here. We're through the guardrail. Will anyone survive the ride to the bottom of the abyss? It is nature that will write the final script for the, quote, Great Reset. While so many are completely caught up in the orchestrated political circus of mass division and distraction... Existential threats are already upon us. The power structure will continue to do all it can to hide this fact from populations until the last possible moment. Mainstream media in every form, from Fox News on one side of the spectrum to MSNBC and Democracy Now! on the other side, are all ultimately on the power structure payroll strings. Though the various sources of mainstream media often seem in complete opposition, they're each performing their part for the controllers. Polarize, divide, and distract populations from the looming existential threats 
again, till the last possible moment. Clinically insane factions of the human race have long ago committed us all to an experiment from which there is no return. The controllers decided to play God with the planet's climate and life support systems. Geoengineering. What could possibly go wrong? No matter what other challenges we collectively face, if and when Earth's life support systems are damaged beyond recovery in any time frame that matters, it's game over. Climate engineering operations are rapidly accelerating the process of planetary collapse. The commercial-free Global Alert News Hour starts now. The point and purpose of this non-political broadcast is to expose the most dire issues that we collectively face. Some years ago, on the Global Alert News broadcast, I reported on the statements of a climate engineering scientist insider. Due to rapidly unfolding circumstances, it's now important to provide additional details from this insider interview. They're more relevant today than ever before. For the full transcript, search geoengineeringwatch.org. Why are they spraying answers from an insider? This is the view of a scientist insider, one that has accepted the official rationale of the spraying. There's an epidemic of big-picture blindness that is rampant in the circles of military-industrial complex scientists. They're all compartmentalized. They carry out their work in a bubble. The rationalization of those involved with the spraying operations is all too evident. Their lack of knowledge regarding the overall consequences of the programs they have helped to orchestrate is shockingly apparent. They've all been trained to believe that it is not only man's right to interfere with nature, if he so chooses, but that it's, in fact, his duty. It's this kind of hubris, this kind of thinking, that has put us all on the current course of mathematically certain near-term extinction. We must change directions, starting with fully exposing and halting the climate engineering weather warfare insanity. The use of polymer fibers is one of the first issues addressed in this interview transcript. Filament fallout incidents from the atmospheric spraying is of considerable concern. Atmospherically sprayed filaments or fibers have been utilized for biological experimentation going back as far as the 1960s. The insider either doesn't know about this fact or is unwilling to discuss it. Consider the following recent headline example from newsmedical.net, published in August of this year, nano and microplastics found in all human organs and tissues because we're inhaling them with every breath we take. That's not to mention the heavy metals that are part of that mix. And this headline from earlier this month, quote, this is from news.mit.edu. Nanoparticles can turn off genes in bone marrow cells. These two articles are the tip of the proverbial iceberg in regard to the decimation that these unimaginably small particles do to human health, to the human body, in fact, to the entire web of life. Again, these are just examples to illustrate the extreme toxicity of nanoparticulate inhalation. Climate engineering operations specifically call for nanoparticulate dispersions of not only the polymers just mentioned, which again have been historically utilized for biological carrier platforms, but climate engineering solar radiation management operations are based on the atmospheric dispersion of tens of millions of tons of nanoparticulates. Primary elements include aluminum, barium, strontium, and other heavy metals. All stated elements are named on numerous climate engineering patents and have shown up in countless precipitation tests from all over the globe. Converging catastrophes are closing in on all of us. Who will continue to hide in the shadows? 
who will summon the courage to help expose the truth. To again make clear, for the record, though the geoengineering scientist in the interview I'm about to cover has chosen to believe that the climate engineering insanity is for the overall greater good, frontline data completely refutes any such conclusion. Geoengineering operations are further fueling the biosphere implosion, not mitigating it, in addition to, again, completely contaminating the entire planet and every breath we take. All are needed to stand and make their voice heard for the greater good. What will each of us choose to do? This geoengineering scientist interview was conducted in a question and answer format. First question, what purpose do polymer threads embedded with biological materials serve in this scenario, i.e. the climate engineering operations? Answer, polymers are part of the mixture and they do form in threads and in, quote, tufts. The idea is simple and comes to us from the spider. As you may know, the spider webbing is very light. And some newborn spiders spin a, quote, parachute to catch the prevailing breeze to travel far from the place of birth. Spiders have been able to attain high altitudes and travel great distances for long periods of time. Most of the elements used in the spray, i.e. climate engineering operations, are heavier than air. Even in their powdered form, they are heavier and will sink quickly. Mixing them with the polymers suspends the particulates in the atmosphere high above the surface for longer periods of time. Therefore, in theory... We do not need to spray as often or as much material since the suspended particulates eventually do settle to the lowest part of the atmosphere and are inhaled by all life forms, as we just discussed, correct? On the surface, there is an attempt to counter the growth of mold by adding to the mixture mold growth suppressants, some of which may be of biological material. Think of the magnitude of this experiment happening in our skies. They can do whatever they want with no oversight whatsoever. We have no idea the totality of what each and every one of us is inhaling with every single breath we take, decimating the entire web of life from the clouds to the ground. Again, this is an experiment from which there is no return, not in any time frame that matters. It's been going on for over 70 years. And for the record, geoengineeringwatch.org has tested filament samples when it appears some of the aircraft dispersion mechanisms malfunction and have covered large areas of the geography with these filaments it's happened countless times around the planet and and many reports on this but we have tested some of these tough samples Collected from foliage in Shasta County Shasta County location the filament was primarily composed of aluminum and barium And though these sticky filaments look like a thick clump of spider webs, unless spiders are now making their webs out of toxic heavy metals, these filaments are not from nature. Next question. If this spraying is to mitigate global warming, why does so much of it take place at night? Answer. Quote, though it would appear that the dispersal rate of the spray is fast, it actually takes much longer to be an effective shield. There is a desired concentration being sought, one that is thick enough to stem the UV and infrared while being thin enough to allow visible light through. A perpetual cloud cover would have disastrous effects on the planet. The food chain thus disrupted would soon collapse. That's already happening anyway, isn't it? His response continues. The desired effect is a thin cover that would theoretically create a daytime haze that allows plenty of sunshine while providing protection from UV radiation and also reflect enough infrared to maintain nominal temperatures. 
The optimal condition is to use the least amount of materials to provide the maximum amount of shielding. Ideally, what would be a one-time application, which would stay suspended for years. However, as noted, barium and aluminum and other trace elements are far heavier than air, and they sink rather rapidly. The different temperatures between day and night causes massive volumes of air to rise during the night. The warm air trapped at the surface rises above the cooling air above. By strategically spraying in certain areas at night, we get the advantage of rising air, which not only pushes the material higher, but also causes the material to disperse into a thin layer. Footnote. What else does this geoengineering particulate layer do? It traps heat in the atmosphere, thus further fueling the overall warming of the planet. Again, these academicians work in bubbles, completely compartmentalized, with no concept of the larger picture or the cataclysms they are participating in. Next question. What is the connection between ELF, EMF, VLF, and the spraying? These are radio frequency transmission levels. Or is there one? Part of the question. Answer. To understand the use of radio waves in the shield, one must first understand how ozone is created. I cannot stress, he says, how dire the situation really is. The shield in place is only a partial solution. We must counter the depletion of the ozone. This means we must make ozone in the stratosphere. How's that going? Not so well. More on that in a moment. Next question. Why is spraying found before storm fronts? Is it to cause drought? Answer. Before a storm, there's a front. The front clears the air before the storm, pushing particulate matter ahead of it, leaving a space relatively clear of particulate matter. UV radiation levels rise in these areas, sometimes to dangerously high levels. The shield must be maintained. Since barium absorbs water as well as carbon dioxide, precipitation has been affected. Let's stop there for a moment. As geoengineeringwatch.org has stated for well over a decade, the single greatest drought-causing factor on planet Earth is climate engineering. These desiccant particulates are wreaking havoc with the hydrological cycle. You can't have more overall drought on a warming planet without a factor that we're not being told about, and that factor is climate engineering. And again, we see the compartmentalization of these scientists. No clue of the overall picture that the droughting out of forests all over the globe is further fueling their incineration, which radically fuels the overall warming of the planet. None of the downstream consequences are considered by the military-industrial complex or the so-called scientists that work for them, and that's the way the system works, and that's why we're in such an incredibly dark place at this moment in time. Next question in this interview. What is the relationship between these spraying programs and the One World or the New World Order? The scientist states, there's a potential to use the shield to speed up the process of globalization. There are several countries that are involved in this project, European Union nations, USA, and Russia are the largest contributors to the project. Many of the allied nations and UN members participate to one extent or another. The material, i.e. the chemical spray, comes from all of these nations. He continues, quote, To ensure that the chemicals are not tampered with, they are mixed and sprayed over random nations. This means that chemicals produced in the USA have a good chance of being sprayed over Russia, England, and the USA. This random spray of material means that no nation would be certain that their chemicals will be sprayed over a nation which they have issues with. Russian planes may be seen in the U.S. skies, but so too will U.S. planes be seen in Russian skies. The canisters used are sealed 
in a third nation that has no idea where its canisters are going. Participating nations have their observers at every station where canister loading is done. All of this to ensure that the shield is not used as a weapon. Let's stop there for a moment again. When you're spraying highly toxic elements in disguise all over the globe, that is a weapon. That's a biological weapon. Not to even consider the fact that it's decimating Earth's life support systems. More on that in a moment. But spraying toxic elements in disguise, polymer fibers, toxic heavy metals, aluminum, barium, strontium, that is a biological weapon. Not even to consider or can we even know what other biologicals are being used. He continues with this, to further ensure that the shield is not used as a weapon, non-participant nations are sprayed by participants who must spray in order to get enough material to maintain their nation's shield. It is understood that not spraying is as much a military offense as actually shooting at these aircraft. This means, again, whether actively or passively, Countries all over the world are involved with this, with the primary powers all colluding and cooperating. As GeoengineWatch.org has said for over a decade and a half, and we have U.S. Senate documents as long as 800 pages that prove this intergovernmental cooperation. No matter what adversarial conflicts we see on the surface, the major powers are all working together at this, as well as other factors, which includes CV-19. Again, more on that in a moment. He continues, quote, Without the shield... UV poisoning would cause great death. The threat is a common one, which has brought nations together in defense. The natural outcome of having a common enemy is to strengthen international ties, a step toward globalization. Let's stop there again for a moment to consider the totality of climate engineering insanity. The single greatest ozone-destroying factor is climate engineering. And we have militaries around the globe from countries that the public is led to believe are adversarial that are actually colluding and cooperating on global climate engineering operations. And this global climate engineering cabal is actually further ramping up climate engineering operations to supposedly provide us a shield from extreme UV radiation when climate engineering operations are the single greatest ozone layer destroying factor in the first place. Total insanity. Climate engineering operations are not about the greater good. They are about power and control. They are about weather warfare. The crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex that they can lay siege to populations without those populations even knowing they are being assaulted or that they are at war. And this has been going on for decades. These operations are also about masking the severity of climate collapse from populations while further fueling the overall process of collapse. Total insanity. Next question. Is the spraying related to terrorism? Response, yes and no. Recent terrorist activities can be traced to resistance groups who feel that we should not interfere with the natural order of things. That's a rational thing to consider, isn't it? How well has man's interference with nature gone so far? How well? How much good has the so-called science community done for us so far? Technology that so many have chosen to blindly believe will always save us from ourselves is what has brought us to this dark place. Misused technology. The scientist states this, as you know, there are many rumors that the SHIELD program is to be used for population reduction. Then he further states, 
The same delivery method could be used for biological and chemical warfare. It could also be used to inoculate large populations. Something to consider, given everything that is unfolding around the world today. And if you think for a moment that the controllers care about your welfare, think again. As the ship goes down, do you think that they are going to do everything they can to make sure you end up on a lifeboat? Think again. Next question. Why all the secrecy? Answer. Due to the severity of the situation, it is mandatory to maintain public calm for as long as possible. The earth is dying. Let's stop there. Now, the earth isn't just dying. It's being killed. Let's make that clear. He continues, quote, Humanity is on the road to extinction. Without the shield, he states, mankind will die off in the near term. Most people alive today, he states, could live to see the extinction take place. This means that an announcement of the situation we face boils down to telling every man, woman, and child on earth that they have no future. People would panic. He continues, There would be economic collapse. The production and movement of goods would collapse. Millions would die in all cities on earth. Riots and violence would reduce civilian centers to rubble within days. Half the population in dense metropolitan areas would try to leave the cities seeking, quote, safety in the rural areas, thinking that they would be safe. Those left behind in the cities would be at war with their neighbors, fighting for their remaining supplies. We would be telling the world that the world is coming to an end. And even with the shield, the chances of survival are small. I have to reiterate every time such a statement is made that that is a statement of a willfully blind, compartmentalized, military-industrial complex scientist that has been trained to believe what he's doing is for the greater good. Just like those who detonated over 2,000 nuclear bombs all over the world were told this is for the greater good. Just like those who use depleted uranium ammunition in countries in the Middle East, contaminating those regions literally forever. Half-life of depleted uranium, four and a half billion years. That's a long time. Contaminating our troops. Was all that for the greater good? No, no. It was about empire, about the clinically insane who control empires. That's what it's all about. Next question. To your knowledge, what categories of individuals officially know of the project and are expected to remain silent? For example, my list of suspects includes governments down to the county level, military, especially Air Force, meteorologists, health specialists, mainstream media, etc. Answer. He states, all those who know are expected to remain silent. All those who suspect are either faced with trying to prove the virtually unprovable or are faced with good enough reason to remain silent. I would assume, he says, that the situation is worldwide and could be considered one of the dangers of this project. He continues with this, It was presented to me as a matter of national security. I can see the reasons why there is a desire to repress the information. Not just the fact that the spraying is taking place, but the hard fact that we are facing a period of human history which might be the end of civilization. It's worse than that. It's much worse than just the end of civilization. If the planet's life support systems are completely decimated, it's the end of the human race and life on earth. And statistically, mathematically speaking, again, that's what matters. Statistics, what matters in this equation? Current extinction rate, a million and a half percent of normal. And what do we see on mainstream TV day in, day out from the mainstream media talking heads whose task it is to distract, divide, and polarize populations until the brutal bitter end so that they do not see the horizon before it's too late. That's their task. And that's exactly what's occurring. Next question. 
Is all the spraying done using the, quote, tank kits described earlier, or are military KC-135s and KC-10s utilized? Such aircraft have a load-carrying capacity of 200,000 pounds or more. Answer, no. Several types of craft are used. Commercial jet airliners are used, and they are not diverted from their flight paths to do so. Next question. Where are the official sources that state that a certain number of people worldwide will sicken and possibly die as a result of the spraying? In other words, what internal studies have been done on health issues and who carried them out? Answer. The World Health Organization carried out most of the studies. Other nations have carried out their own research on the issue. The accepted estimated casualties from the World Health Organization is $2 billion over the course of six decades. We're not going to make it six decades from the point that this interview was done. He further states, quote, the majority will be either the elderly or those who are prone to respiratory problems. These numbers are based on the current estimates of general health of the population, the average age, and the occurrence of respiratory problems as a health issue. All are estimates, since there are no solid numbers to work with. I have to move on to other breaking reports that I need to try and cover in this broadcast, but stop for a moment to consider the totality of the climate engineering assault, the total ramifications of completely derailing the planet's weather and life support systems, the consequences of contaminating the entire biosphere, and every breath we take with highly toxic heavy metals, and polymers. We are truly in uncharted territory. All of us, unwilling lab rats, in a planetary experiment from which there is no return. For the full transcript, search geoengineeringwatch.org. Why are they spraying? Answers from an insider. Let's bounce back to the New York Times article published just last week on climate engineering, titled... As climate disasters pile up, a radical proposal gains traction. And again, as cited earlier in this broadcast, Dr. Douglas McMartin, a research in mechanical and aerospace engineering at Cornell University, whose team received funding for their part in this insanity, stated this, quote, we know with 100% certainty that we can cool the planet, end quote. Please take a moment to listen to this short exchange between Dr. McMartin and myself, which took place during an on-air debate arranged by Pacifica Radio on the East Coast. Here it is. If you want to be specific about uh, reflecting sunlight back to space with, for example, putting, uh, there's a couple of ways to do that. The most obvious way is to put a small amount of reflective droplets or particles referred to as aerosols very, very high up into the atmosphere, into the stratosphere, uh, and they would reflect a little bit of sunlight away. The reason I can say nobody's doing that is, first of all, nobody's even capable of doing that today. Um, we don't have aircraft that can fly into the stratosphere, that can, that can fly high enough and deliver a useful payload. And if anybody was doing that somehow, uh, it would be really easy to see it in satellite data. So there's all sorts of satellites that are constantly monitoring the upper atmosphere. Uh, every time there's a small volcanic eruption, for example, uh, or a large enough volcanic eruption to put material high into the upper atmosphere, uh, those instruments will see the aerosols from that. Um, and there's lots of other 
ways to sample the upper atmosphere as well. And so there's a vast number of Doug, can we measurements. Just, Doug, can we just stop right there before we go on to the other yeah. uh, elements? Um, I would want Dane to respond to this uh, specifically. So, um, Dane, as you heard, Professor McMartin does not believe uh, that it's going on because we do not have the aircraft and the technology uh, to release the uh, necessary aerosols to reflect the uh, sunlight back into uh, space. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, So, Mr. McMartin, I'm understanding you to say the aircraft can't we don't have aircraft that can fly into the stratosphere. Is that correct? We don't have aircraft that can fly into the stratosphere and deliver a useful payload. How high is the stratosphere? Um, Where does it start? So I, should be a little more, I should be a little more precise. If you wanted to actually reflect uh, light, the reason that we talk about putting things in the stratosphere is that we're really interested in no, that's not my part question. of the atmosphere. Right. I have a question. Let me I want to use my time on that. How, let me finish. How high is the stratosphere? Let me let me fill in that blank because we have scientific data to show that the stratosphere in the polar regions, especially, is as low as twenty three thousand feet. We have PC one thirty fives that at that altitude can carry a hundred tons of material. Uh, are you right. denying that a hundred tons of material wouldn't affect uh, the climate? And again, if if you're claiming that planes or aircraft can't fly into the stratosphere, even at the mid-latitudes, a stratospheric altitude can start at 33,000 feet. All forms of jet aircraft can reach those altitudes. So I I, I don't think what you're saying holds any water, Doug. Dane, if you allow me to finish my sentence, the reason we talk about... It was my turn to talk, and I simply asked you one question, so go ahead. So so the answer to your question is that you need to get material up to at least 60 to 70,000 feet. Okay, you're changing, you, you said into the stratosphere, and what you stated was not uh, mathematically correct, so now you're, you're actually picking an altitude that is, is uh, not just the start of the stratosphere, but much, much higher. So, like, again, what you stated so, initially, Doug, was we, we couldn't do anything. You knew nothing was happening with climate engineering because we didn't have the capability to reach the stratosphere, and I'm saying that is simply not true. Let's take a moment to consider... Dr. McMartin's argument. First, he apparently did not know that the altitude of the stratosphere varies drastically around the globe, being especially low in the polar regions, as low as 23,000 feet, easily attainable by virtually all existing jet aircraft and even most propeller-driven aircraft. And then we have this statement from the world's most recognized geoengineer, Dr. David Keith. He said this repeatedly. He said it in a International Geoengineering Conference, in which I questioned him. That's on film and on the record. If you search David Keith, Dane Wigginton, you can see that exchange with Dr. Keith stating his goal of putting 10 to 20 million tons of aluminum nanoparticulates into the atmosphere annually. Dr. Keith stated, quote, Geoengineering would be a cheap and easy plan to stop global warming. Technology has long since existed. These operations have been ongoing for over 70 years. The interview transcript covered earlier in this broadcast describes exactly the type of atmospheric spraying operations and materials that data backs up is ongoing. Geoengineeringwatch.org has already conducted atmospheric aerosol testing using a NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, flying lab, and a higher altitude private jet. Our samples prove conclusively that jet aircraft are dispersing climate engineering materials at altitude. Film footage of the sample gathering and the lab testing will soon be shown in the documentary, The Dimming. And though we have had relentless challenges in this production, it is now on track and progressing rapidly. 
Some of our lab testing can be viewed now on the dimming trailer on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Bottom line, atmospheric aerosol spraying is absolutely occurring. Climate engineering operations are not a proposal. They are an ongoing lethal reality. In this last short audio clip of the on-air East Coast debate between Dr. McMartin and myself, Dr. McMartin attempts to reframe his entire position based on what he thinks climate engineering should be. Listen carefully. So let, let me refine what I originally said. The reason that we talk about the stratosphere is because we need uh, air mass that is sufficiently stable that what we put there actually stays there for a considerable length of time. And to do that, even quite frankly, even 60,000 feet is pretty marginal. You really want to be up at 70,000 feet or higher. And we do not... Whatever your desired, whatever the desired parameters are, what does that have to do with the factual data that we have to show that the programs are in fact ongoing from film footage, lab testing, Senate documents, presidential documents, I could go on and on. Uh, Whatever your desired parameters are for an experiment, uh, that doesn't change the fact that the experiment is ongoing. So we, we can go through all of that if you want and refute them all one by one. But the bottom, line is, the bottom line is, if you want to make a meaningful difference to the temperature of the climate, you have to get your material very high into the atmosphere. And if you cannot get your material high into the atmosphere, you can't be doing geoengineering. Hmm. And, and, you're and saying for that matter, if you were, if, if you said maybe Doug doesn't know all of the aircraft that exist, well, if you did put the material at 60,000 feet, we'd be able to see it, and you can't. Well, nobody's talking about 60,000 feet, Doug. What we're here to talk about is has climate engineering long since been deployed? And the data says absolutely yes. So whatever you're, you want to argue about what you would wish the parameters were or what was being followed for these experiments, it doesn't change the fact that experiments are ongoing, and the data makes that irrefutable. So, so uh, we're not here to argue semantics that because you have a particular definition of what stratospheric aerosol geoengineering that doesn't fit the reality that we see on the ground, therefore it's not happening. That doesn't really hold water, Doug. That's just your particular opinion of what should fit under that definition. That's my particular It's not an opinion to talk about how long material stays at a given altitude. If you put the material at 35 to 40,000 feet, it does not stay in the atmosphere long enough to make a significant difference to the temperature of the planet. So you can argue that maybe somebody's doing geoengineering and they're just insanely stupid. Exactly. Dr. McMartin, that's the bottom line insanely stupid. So again, McMartin tried to reframe his entire position to fit his personal view of what climate engineering should be. And if what's occurring doesn't fit his view of what it should be, then in his opinion, it can't be happening. In that short audio clip, McMartin confirmed for us that the spraying at customary jet traffic altitudes would not remain in the air for very long. And that's exactly what was confirmed in the interview transcript I covered at the start of this broadcast. Thus, the use of highly toxic polymer fibers as a part of the spray mix in a desperate attempt to keep the also toxic heavy metals like aluminum suspended in the atmosphere for a bit longer. If you wish to listen to the entire exchange between Dr. McMartin and myself, search geoengineeringwatch.org, debating the geoengineering reality, Dane Wigington and scientist Douglas McMartin. If you wish to send a message to Dr. McMartin at his public email, it can easily be found online. But please do so peacefully and professionally. It is that kind of conduct that gains us traction in this battle. Authors of all 
articles on geoengineering, environmental collapse, and anything related. The sources, the authors should all be contacted, and we need help doing that. We get so many messages from so many people telling us that we need to do that at geoengineeringwatch.org. We're doing everything we possibly can. We need everyone to help us with this. But again, peaceful, professional contacts. But all of this ground needs to be covered, and it's going to take all of us to do it. In the meantime, the engineered cooldowns continue in the continental U.S. On the global departure from normal temperature maps, the big, bright blue spot on the planet is the North American continent, and especially the eastern two-thirds of the country, and in so many cases, the most anomalously less warm region in the entire world for the last eight years running. That's not nature. That's patented processes of chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Please search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Search the engineering drought section, engineering wildfire section. Learn more. Understand the chessboard that we are playing on, the better we understand that playing field, the more effective we will each be in this battle. In a moment, the latest breaking reports from the front lines on the issues that pose the greatest and most immediate threat to all of us, issues on which our collective fate most depends. I wish, as always, to express my deepest gratitude to each and every individual that's doing their best to stay informed, to wake others with credible data from a credible source, and to help turn the tide of insanity. Thank you for your help with sounding the alarm. It's our collective efforts that can yet make a difference. This is Dane Wigington. You're listening to the Global Alert News Hour, episode number 273, October 31st, 2020. In this broadcast, bad news, lots of it. But it's the news that covers the issues we must face if we're to have any chance of changing course. This commercial free frontline news broadcast is brought to you by Watch. And paid for by geoengineeringwatch.org. This news hour is broadcast throughout Northern California on 1670 AM, 104.9 FM, and 105.7 FM Saturday mornings from 6 AM to 7 AM Sunday mornings, same time slot repeat broadcast. KQMS that carries all of these stations' largest news talk radio north of Sacramento. Global Alert News is also rebroadcast on the East Coast by the PRN Radio Network. Recordings of this broadcast can be found at geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent top stories and radio sections. Our site is non-political with no advertising. Our only goal is to expose the greatest and most immediate threats we collectively face short of nuclear cataclysm. The latest Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be ordered from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for our approximate cost of producing and shipping. And this Saturday, today, Halloween... Near the Sundial Bridge in Redding, California, there will be an awareness booth there with free geoengineeringwatch.org materials and materials on other dire issues that we face. Please show up, show your support, get the materials you need to help wake others. Let's cover some headlines that almost all are not seeing, especially at this particular window of time when the election theater is at full volume. From numerous sources, Singapore halts use of flu vaccines after 48 die in South Korea. South Korea reported that as of Saturday, 48 people had died after getting flu shots, but said it would carry on with the state-run vaccination program anyway. Imagine that. Business as usual, no matter what carnage is caused. Singapore has temporarily halted the use of influenza vaccines as a precaution after the South Korean deaths, becoming among the first countries to publicly announce a halt of vaccines usage. Next, from Fox News, New Mexico to begin COVID-19 spot testing at restaurants. That report stated this, the National Guard will be helping the New Mexico Department of Health to administer the tests. 
Sounds a little ominous, doesn't it? Next headline. Massive traffic jam filmed in Paris as residents attempt to flee city ahead of second lockdown. Does anyone find it interesting that the CV-19 fires just won't go out? At the start of this entire scenario, geoengineeringwatch.org stated on the record that the controllers would not let these fires go out, that they would be stoked as needed. Let's remember what I have played on this broadcast multiple times. The world's second most recognized geoengineer, Dr. Ken Caldera, who now works for Bill Gates, who stated on the record in a recording that geoengineeringwatch.org has in our possession, again, that I've played on this broadcast, that one of the things he did for the Department of Defense, for the U.S. government, was to design ways of seeding clouds with pathogens to infect the populations below. On audio tape, his voice, you can find that at geoengineeringwatch.org. We have peer-reviewed study to prove that the CB19 pathogens have been found attached to atmospheric particulates. Please, connect dots. Decide for yourself. We're simply presenting data at geoengineeringwatch.org. It's up to the listener, ultimately, to decide what picture is painted by that data. Next headline. Italians rise up against the health dictatorship, quote, as country moves toward new lockdown. Let's take a moment for this statistical update from Shasta County. How's the mask mandate working? Since the mandatory mask wearing mandate was put into place, Shasta County, the official CV-19 infection total in Shasta County has risen almost now 70-fold. That's 7,000% increase. Are we supposed to call that success? I'm simply posing the question. Is there more to this story than we're being told? Another headline, 55 million people face famine as COVID-ravaged economies fail to meet funding goals. And let's add this headline to this theme. International Monetary Fund seizes on pandemic to pave way for privatization in 81 countries. The COVID loans are offered on the condition that the governments of those countries must follow the IMF's dictates for full lockdown. Another headline, all connected. The World Bank throws full weight behind the, quote, Great Reset. From that report, the World Bank has published a report that outlines economy-wide actions to facilitate decarbonization and sustainable, quote, sustainable development. That's an oxymoron, by the way. Can't perpetually expand and consume resources on a finite planet with finite resources. Can't happen. Report continues, as the world recovers from the CV-19 global pandemic, is it recovering? That must be new news. The report aims to help countries align their development pathways with the goals of the Climate Change Agreement in Paris, though the long-term strategies that promote climate resilience and food and water systems, energy, transport, and cities, among other sectors. There is no, quote, sustainable development on a finite planet with finite resources. And the bottom line with everything that's happening, including CV-19, especially including CV-19, it is a manifestation of total power structure desperation, which geoengineeringwatch.org has tried to point out was coming for over a decade. Biosphere collapse forces power structure desperation. We have said it over and over and over. And again, the final great reset script will not be written by the bankers. Rather, nature will have the final say. No environment, no humans. And on the current course, that moment is now perilously close. That's the Great Reset. 
Indeed, that's the final reset. More headlines, all related to climate engineering operations that are wreaking havoc on the West Coast. From sfgate.com, 100-mile-an-hour gusts recorded as incredible winds rake California. From that report, fierce gusts tore through valleys and made their way all the way to the coast. This was last Monday, amid what has been called the most severe wind event in California this year. Humidity levels dropped into the single digits and teens when combined with the blustery conditions created extremely critical wildfire conditions yet again, over and over and over, cutting off the precipitation. We can see this on satellite imagery. We're not guessing. We're not theorizing. We're not hypothesizing. We can see this occurring. Then the high-pressure dome is set up over the state, which pushes down on the air masses, which forces air out, which creates these winds. Climate engineering has unbelievable sway over the climate system. This is nothing short of weather warfare. The SF Gate report further states the winds ushered in an extremely dry air mass and humidity levels dropped to remarkably low levels. Half Moon Bay's relative humidity dropped from 94% to 12% in two hours. Last Sunday night, as the offshore flow pushed to the coastline, according to the Weather Service. To the north, the city of Redding, named in this report, recorded humidity levels of 5%. In the Sierras, humidity levels ranged from 3 to 15%. Remember the transcript of the report covered in the beginning of this broadcast that these desiccant particulates dry out the atmosphere. That is a known and inarguable consequence of climate engineering. More headlines from Scientific American. Colorado contends with record-setting wildfires. From that report, it's unclear how much expected snows would help combat the blazes ranging across the drought-parched land. In Denver, a weather drama is playing out in the forests of north-central Colorado as two record wildfires supercharged as a result of climate change meet the first large snowstorm of the winter. Climate engineering never mentioned the massive elephant in this equation, the elephant in the sky, that no mainstream media source, no official agency will touch because their paychecks and pensions depend on them pretending that this issue is not actually happening, that it's only a, quote, proposal, that everything we see in the sky, which is exactly what we're told they want to do immediately, is not actually happening. We're not actually seeing what we're actually seeing. We're living in a planetary asylum. And all the while, climate engineering operations continue to wreak havoc all over the globe. Another headline, 150,000 evacuated in California wildfire, 300,000 without power. Another headline from France24.com, South America ravaged by unprecedented drought and fires. Sound familiar? From that report, under stress from a historic drought, just like the 1,200-year drought in California that official agencies and elected officials pretend doesn't exist, they pretend that we're just not out raking up leaves from the forest. Again, absolute disinformation. Please research. Get all the facts before you come to conclusions and don't feed from the mainstream media trough of disinformation to come to your conclusions. Please don't do that. We are far too late in the game. We are almost out of time. All available data including NASA satellite imagery, confirms that climate engineering is the core causal factor behind the epic droughts and resulting wildfires. This is not a denial of all other sources of human damage to the planet. We have decimated this planet in the geologic blink of an eye, and there are an endless list of anthropogenic sources for that damage. But the bottom line is, how can there be any legitimate discussion about the climate or the state of the climate from any perspective without first and foremost acknowledging and addressing the climate 
engineering factor in the equation? Answer, there can't be any legitimate discussion without addressing that first and foremost. This article from South America further states that large swaths of forest and wetlands in Central and South America, known for their exceptional biodiversity, have been ravaged by devastating fires. Experts say the wildfires are in a region that spans Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia, and Paraguay. The fires are being fanned by ideal conditions. Doesn't that sound familiar? including strong winds, temperatures over 40 degrees Celsius, that's 104 Fahrenheit, and certainly low humidities. Paraguay's capital and several towns northeast in Argentina and southern Brazil spent days and even weeks submerged under a thick fog of smoke due to the intense fires. All of that sounds incredibly familiar, doesn't it? High-pressure domes pushing that smoke down, holding it in place for weeks and weeks and weeks. Same scenario exactly playing out in South America. This is all-out weather warfare. Again, biosphere collapse is here. It's not coming. Power structure desperation has gone completely exponential, and they are waging what amounts to warfare on countless fronts against populations. And to all those that are participating in these various forms of insanity, who are being told by those in power that they're part of some benevolent operation, it's up to you to investigate the truth and to face the truth and to act accordingly. This includes our military brothers and sisters, again, agency officials, those in academia, simply pretending that you're doing something benevolent because that's what you want to believe and because that's what your paycheck and pension depends on is not okay. It's not moral. It's not honorable. It's genocidal. It's omnicidal. And it's far past time that all in each of those fields Band together, stand up, face the truth, and help us to turn the tide because we are rapidly running out of time. Biosphere collapse is here. On that note, a few last very dire, critically important headlines as we have tried to warn geoengineeringwatch.org for so very long, for over a decade. The methane time bomb has gone off. It's happening now. It appears to be happening now. This is the thawing of methane deposits in tundra and on the seafloor that's been releasing for many decades, the Bermuda Triangle scenario of ships sinking intact. This is methane released from the seafloor as these deposits warm and thaw, large deposits release that aerates the water like a bottle of champagne. Ships have no buoyancy. They go to the bottom intact. This has been happening for many decades, but now it's going completely exponential. There's enough stored methane on this planet to turn it into Venus. Climate engineering attempt to hide it has made it exponentially worse, not better, in addition to creating all the consequences already covered in this broadcast and even more. A few more headlines from last week. Loss of Arctic's reflective sea ice will advance global warming by 25 years. That's false. It will advance it exponentially, unbelievably, catastrophically. We're there. Trillions of tons of methane are in the process of releasing now. Why is this so much of a problem? Again, as we've outlined over and over, methane over a 10-year time horizon is 100 to 120 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. It's covering the planet right now like a layer of glass. That's why so often the nighttime temperatures do not go down. We've discussed this again at geoengineeringwatch.org for the last 10 years. Climate engineering, as discussed in the transcript earlier in this broadcast, the aerosol haze clouds, Although they deflect some of the daytime heat, they trap nighttime heat in addition to disrupting the hydrological cycle, further facilitating the epic burndown of the forest, creating smoke clouds that are utilized by the climate engineers, again, to lower some daytime temperatures at the cost of even more overall warming. 
The dominoes are falling and each domino knocks down a still larger domino and that process continues and accelerates at blinding speed until we all hit the wall at full velocity. A few more headlines from last week. Arctic sea ice is not freezing in October for the first time since measurements begin. It's now having an unknown effect on weather developments towards winter. This one from National Geographic. A new Cold War bruise as Arctic ice melts. This one, all these from last week from the UK Guardian. Quote, sleeping giant, Arctic methane deposits starting to release scientists fine. Again, that was from National Geographic. From CommonDreams.org, researchers worry methane discovery in Arctic Ocean could signal dangerous new climate feedback loop. No, it's here. It's not coming, it's here. This one from EarthSky.org. The Arctic hasn't been this warm for three million years. Consider that. And this headline, also from last week, backing up what I just stated, from ClimateNewsNetwork.net. Quote, rising heat means more methane, warmer nights. And if you think that's a good thing, you won't for long. Nothing can adapt at the current rate of Earth changes that are, mathematically speaking, occurring at hundreds of times the rate than any previous mass extinction event on our planet. Insect populations are a reflection, down 80 to 90%. Global wildlife populations down over 70% in the last 50 years alone. Wild food fish populations down 90% globally. How long does any rational person think we'll be here? At these rates. And even now, the climate engineers are carrying out chemical ice nucleated surface cooldowns to confuse and divide populations on the true state of the climate until the last possible moment. Cooldowns that come at the cost of an even worse overall planetary warming. Abrupt climate collapse, fisheries collapse, CV19, and the climate engineering operations all are completely connected. The entire social structure of industrialized, militarized society is completely dependent on the status quo. The entire paradigm was built on the delusion of perpetual growth and expansion on a finite planet with finite resources, a planet that has already been decimated and depleted to such a degree that the human race and the entire web of life is hurling toward near-term omnicide. The military-industrial complex doesn't care about anyone or anything except itself. In preparation for the already unfolding collapse on countless fronts, the controllers have very successfully polarized, divided, and distracted populations from the wider horizon, even as the proverbial oncoming train is about to run us over. The vast majority have remained oblivious. It seems the sky could be on fire and few would notice. This must change or we have no chance. But we must never forget that those in power couldn't do what they do without the active or passive support of the majority population. This also must change if we're to have any chance of even near-term survival. Those who are already awake and aware are desperately needed to wake others to what's unfolding. We must all summon our courage and rise to the occasion. It's now or never. Learn how to effectively and efficiently pass on credible data from a credible source. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the only way forward in this fight. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for more specific instructions on how you can help in this all-important battle. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.